Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. So good. I said he's so good. I mean, I'm still pinching myself. I mean... When I cried out to the Lord, I had no value. I had nothing I could bring to the table. There was no, no way I could enhance anything that he was or what he was doing. But you know, he took me and received me just like I was. Just like I was. And you know, he's still doing that today. One of the greatest truths that, that, that I've embraced is that God doesn't judge us according to our behavior. He doesn't, he doesn't look at us and esteem you and I in our performance. You see, he gives us those things that we don't deserve. He gives us those things that we haven't earned. And that's what's so phenomenal about it. And so anytime that I make a mistake, and you just ask my wife, that does happen. More, many more times than I'd like to admit, right? And God, the way he sees me is no different than before I did it or after I did it. And you see, that's why he's God and we're not. <laughs> Amen. That was just an advertisement for God's love. Hey, let's get into our Bibles this morning. You don't want to hear me. Let's get into his book. Now, I want you to, and I'm assuming you're already doing this, but there's people watching out there that probably don't. Um, Our live stream goes out, we don't know to how many different places. At one time, uh, we were getting over 900 people a month watching our broadcasts. And so we're here to help others. We're here to give them the truth. And the way that I look at the Word of God is I look at it as Him speaking to me. You see, God has a voice. His voice is Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the Word. And so understand that the Old Testament talks about you but in the New Testament, primarily the, the letters, the epistles, they're writing to you. And they're defining who you now are. And what you got. And what you're empowered to do. So, there are times when I'm reading the word as I picture Jesus standing in front of me and speaking it to me personally. For example, we all know, for God so loved the world... He gave us his only begotten son. Whosoever believes on him shall not perish. Well, try reading it this way. For God so loved me. 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 That he gave Jesus. 
Look at how, because of you, he was motivated to put his son to death. No one else has ever done that for me. And no one else will ever do that for me. And so when we make the Bible personal, not just a history book, not just telling us things that took you know, place back then, look at it as God himself speaking to you. And that'll give us some weight. It, it, it stops being information and it's transformed into being revelation. You got your Bibles? Come on. You got your Bibles or your Bible app? Say, this is my Bible. God speaks to me through his book. I choose to have listening ears. I choose to believe what he says. And I will accept it humbly and reverently in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we get in here too deep, uh, Ken reminded me that we had some people that came in uh, after the announcements, and so next Sunday is Communion Sunday. So we'll have communion together for the service. We're going to break bread and, and uh, have the cup, and then afterwards, it's, a, it's an all-church potluck. And that's when the diet is out the window, and we, we, we chow down, and it's really good. So we wanted those that got in behind. Hey, even if you're watching and you're nearby, come on. Come on out next week. Amen. It'll be good. You'll get uh, the word in your heart, and then you'll get some good food in your belly. All right, go on over to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Now, I want you to understand that this in which we're about to read is a testimony. This is actually that which has happened to two real people. It's not a parable, it's not an allegory, it's not some kind of a, an example of something. No, this really happened. So we're in Luke chapter 16, verse 19. And let's be introduced to the two people that this testimony is about. It says that there was a rich man, everybody say a rich man, he was clothed in purple and fine linen, who uh, feasted sumptuously. How many times do we use that in our daily vocabulary? Every day, verse 20. And at his gate, so apparently he had a palatial home, it was probably gated, had an out, outward wall and a gate to come into the compound. And at his gate was a poor man. Everybody say a poor man. Now his name was Lazarus. And he was covered with sores. He was sickly. And he desired to be fed from what fell from the rich man's table. So he was satisfied by eating crumbs. But that didn't happen more very often. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So this testimony is about two human beings that lived on the earth approximately the time of Moses. So we've got a rich man who lived a lavish lifestyle, and we have Lazarus who lived a life of poverty. Now, it goes on to tell us in this testimony that both of these individuals, both the rich man and Lazarus, died. We see in the 22nd verse of chapter 16, it says the poor man died. 
And then later it says, the rich man died. So both of these individuals, these human beings that were living on the earth, they came to the end of their life here on the earth, and they died. Now, everybody, everybody on this ball of dirt has an opinion as to what happens when a person dies. Even if they say, I don't know. Right? That's an opinion. I've heard it said that when you die, you're dead like a dog. Meaning that the life goes out of you, and guess what? You stop existing. I've heard it said that when people leave the earth, they, they're going through some kind of an enlightenment, and then they come back as something else. Maybe they come back as, you know, a bird. Maybe they come back at a bug. That's why you've got to be careful not to step on them things. Right? And it could be a cow. That's what they call re reincarnation. That doesn't sound like a good way to look at death, does it? I've heard people even say that, that when you die, you just start floating out into space. Yeah. But you know, you and I don't have to speculate. You and I don't have to wonder. You, you and I don't have to guess. Because the Bible explains exactly what happens after a person leaves this earth through physical death. So look at verse 22 again. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I think the projections got King James up. So it's going to be a little bit different. So I'm reading part of verse 22 for the sake of time. It says that the poor man died. And it says was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. King James says Abraham's bosom. And this is heaven. So Lazarus, after death, went to heaven. In that same verse 22, it says that the rich man also died and was buried. But apparently he went to a different place. He went to Hades, which is hell. And he was in a place of torment. And he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off with Lazarus in his side or in his bosom. And so the rich man died, and he went to a place of torment. He went to hell. We need to understand that the Bible refers to only two places, two places where a person can go after death. Either that place is heaven or that place is hell. Now understand that the world looks at us as being so narrow-minded. So narrow-minded that we won't consider other options. But what they don't understand is that these aren't things that we have come up with. This isn't things that we have decided on. These are simply things that God has revealed to us. And so we're just going by what he has said. Amen? Just, just in terms of seeing this in multiple places, because if, if you and I are going to interpret the Word of God, you need to find other scriptures that are saying the same thing. That way you can't just take one scripture out and say, well, this says this. No, to interpret it properly, one of the tools is that you have to compare it with other scriptures. So I just made a statement that there's only two places after death. We'll look over here in John 3, 36. This is just to collaborate what I just, the statement I just made. 
John 3, 36. This is this same chapter, John, where Jesus was talking about how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And this is at the end of this chapter, which is kind of a conclusion of all the things that he's saying in chapter 3. He says that the person who believes on the Son, the Son is Jesus, that person has what? Eternal life. life. So that means that person will go to the place where eternal life is, which is heaven. But he he, he that disbelieves or does not believe in the Son, therefore, since they don't have the Son, they don't have life, And so they have to go to the place that is void of life, a place of torment, which is hell. But this is not really what I want to talk about this morning. I want to to talk about something else. I want us to go back to Luke 16, 22. And I want us to see the rich man. And in this verse 22, it makes a statement that I want you and I to look at. You guys with me this morning? It says in verse 22, as you get into the verse, it says that the rich man also died. And it says that, and was buried. Do you see that in that verse? It says that the rich man did what? He died. And then the rich man was buried. Now, my question is, what does it mean that the rich man was buried? And I I usually ask questions not to trick anybody. You know the answer. So what does it mean to be buried? It means you dig a hole and sometimes you use some kind of a package to put the body. Some people, you know, cremate the body, but they they return the body to the earth, right? Um, Now, you understand that when you, when a person goes to a foreign land, that you're pretty oblivious to their cultures, to, to, to their phrases, And so I was over in Nagpur, India. I was on a mission trip, and I was preaching in a Bible school. Had about 200 students. And so I told them that at that time that we had only had two people die in our church. And I said that I buried them. I said I buried two church members. I only buried two church members in 25 years of ministry. And so the interpreter took that, and he said that I dug a hole in the ground and I threw my congregation in in a hole. (laughs) When we say we bury somebody, we know what we're talking about because we bury a lot of folk. Apparently over there, they didn't... So there there was a time of quiet... Uh, amazement there for a couple of minutes before I got back on track. Actually, the, the leader of the school had to come up and, and told me in front of everybody what I had said. So, so at that point, my fate, face got bright red and I was embarrassed. So this verse says that the rich man also died and they buried his body. 
So that being true, help me to understand what it says in verse 23. I'll start with verse 22. The rich man also died and was what? Buried, meaning they placed his body in a grave. And then in 23 it says, and in hell, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes. Now, my question is, is how can this man be in the grave and in hell at the same time? Don't get ahead of the pastor. No, this is a legitimate question. Because you got people going back to grave sites for many years after a loved one, loved one is buried, and they have this image that that person is still there. But this scripture says that the rich man was not in the grave. The rich man was not in the grave, but he was in a spiritual place, not a physical place. That makes us come to the conclusion that you and I, we're not just a body. Now, there, there's a reason we're going in this direction, because this, this is the one revelation I got years ago that began to unlock the Word of God to me. Because many of us read the Word of God naturally and humanly speaking. And we relate what it's saying to our body. We relate what it's saying to our behavior, the expression of our body. And things that it says contradicts what we're currently experiencing. And so there's this disconnect. For example, we said this morning that God loves us. That he's mindful of us. That he wants the best for us. And some people disconnect from that because they look at this outer man what it looks like, what it behaves like, and they go, there's no way he could love me. So this revelation that I got years ago, and I got it from this book. And we'll quote the scripture that I was reading if I get to it this morning. We are not a body. You still chewing on that? The Bible reveals that you and I have three components to our nature. I want you to go on over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And I'm really trusting and believing that you and I will become more accustomed to seeing us as the person on the inside and, and let go of this guy on the outside in terms of let, allowing it to determine what kind of a person we are. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace 
See, you can always tell when God's working in your life is when you have peace. The very God of peace, sanctify, cleanse. It says in the King James, holy, we would, we would say completely. And he begins to pray a prayer. He says, I pray God. Now he breaks down man. He, he breaks down mankind, the human being. He says, I pray your whole spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. And soul. Everybody say soul. And body be preserved blameless until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you notice that he was praying for the complete man? And you understand, when I say man, I'm not talking gender, I'm talking about mankind. So he's, he's defining us as males and females of the human race, of mankind, that we have three components, three parts to our nature. And I like to say it this way. You and I, we are an eternal spirit being. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And we live in an earth suit that you and I call a body. This body that we put quite an investment in. And I'm not saying that that's not warranted. But we spend so much time relating to our body as being us that we lose track that it's simply a life, uh, a life suit, an earth suit for us to live in this environment. Now, if I go to outer space, what do I do? If I want to live in outer space, what do I have to do? I have to live in a space suit. Now, you don't look at the astronaut and, and see this, this suit he's wearing and, and think that that's him. I, I, I trust you don't do that, right? I, I, I got away from that years ago. <laughs> All right? He's on the inside of the suit. So you and I need to realize that this body is just a receptacle, it's just a suit that allows me to interact, have my spirit interact in a physical world. So I am a spirit. I have a mind, and I live in a body. All right, so that means at physical death, the body dies, and it remains where it came from. Where did it come from? It came from the earth, so it stays on the earth. It has fulfilled its purpose. It's going back to where it came from. Also, at physical death, our spirit and our mind leave our body. Really, that's what physical death is. The life force of the body is the spirit, and when it leaves, the body dies. The spirit and the mind leaves the body and goes to a spiritual place. Because we are indeed a spirit. Amen. So I want you to look at the rich man again. And I want you to see him in a spiritual place. Go on over. Where are we going now? Verse 23. 
trying to get done. Luke 16, 23. It says that in hell, the rich man was in torment. Now look what it says here. He's in a spiritual place. It says he lifted up his eyes and saw. Well, wait a second. I thought his eyes were in the grave. Well, the physical eyes are, but our spirit has eyes. We see with our spirit as well as we see with our eyes. We first saw Jesus with our eyes, our physical eyes, made an evaluation about him. But then as we learned more about him, all of a sudden the eyes of our spirit opened and we saw who he was. He wasn't a mere man. He was God in flesh. I couldn't see God in flesh with my physical eyes, but I saw it with my spirit man's eyes. And that's what changed everything. That's when I thought, okay, I better get him then. If he's got, if he's got eternal life, I, I need it. But I saw it with the eyes of my spirit. So you see spiritual eyes in a spiritual place. He saw Abraham. And also it says that he was in a place of torment. That means that there are feelings on the other side. As we read through this, you're going to find that your spirit man is, is going to be almost identical to your physical man. We'll go further. Luke 16, 27. He said, I beg you, Father, talking to God the Father, to send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Send Lazarus so he may warn them that they also won't come to this place of torment. So you see, in this spiritual place, the rich man had compassion. Emotions, feelings much like we have in this physical place. I want you going over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I, I, I don't want to keep you guys. I'll cut this short this morning for time's sake, and we'll see if the Lord will be willing to have us take this up next time. I want you to go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now understand that we're now talking about spiritual truths from the Word of God. There's got to be confirmation of this elsewhere in Scripture. So I just wanted to give us confirmation. And I'm going to use the Apostle Paul. Second Corinthians 12.1 I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so hang on to your bootstraps. 2 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, This boasting will do good no more. But I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. Now understand that a vision and a revelation is an encounter with God. It's not something that you pray for or ask for, but believers do experience them in their lifetime. And it's is a spiritual event where you become 
in contact with God with your spirit. If it's the highest form of vision, your body's involved in it. But a lower form is you're just seeing with your spirit. So he's going to describe one of these instances that he had an encounter in God that God initiated, not him. Verse 2. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven. The Bible tells us there are three heavens. We have the atmospheric heaven around the earth. We have this stellar heaven, which we call outer space. And then the third heaven is heaven itself. And these are spiritual places. They're not physical places, although there is a replica of it physically. So it says that he went to the third heaven. So he went to heaven itself. He went to the home of God, the, the place that Jesus is preparing for you and I. Says this happened 14 years ago. Now I'm asking you a question. He says, I was caught up to heaven. Who's I? His spirit. Why? He's going to a spiritual place. And then he makes this statement. I want you to see this. This is this will help us. He says, I didn't know if I was in my body. Or out of my body. Now this, this is really going to reveal what we look like spiritually. Now if you look different out of your body than in your body, wouldn't Paul have known if he was out of his body or in his body in heaven? Absolutely. But you see, because your inner man, let me try to say this the right way, your physical man looks like your spirit man. So Paul's saying, I went to heaven, I was there with the Lord. And everything seemed the same up there. I had the same feelings. I had the same sight. I had the same hearing. I had the same touch. So I couldn't tell if my body was with me or it wasn't. You're looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Well, let me, let me ask you this question. Let's say I get a, a real thin latex glove. And I put that latex glove, skin tight, onto my hand. And you would look at the glove. Would you know what my hand looks like? Yeah, because I could turn it like that. And this, this, this uh, glove is so tight on there, you could see my nails. The, you know, the, the density, you could see the depth, and, the, and you could see that I have nails. You could look on this side, you, you could see my uh, fingerprints. You could see my wrinkles. But you're not looking at my hand. 
You're looking at my glove, which now has taken on the form of my hand. So death, death is the glove coming off of the hand and the glove placed in the earth and my hand going to a spiritual place. People ask the question, will we recognize each other in heaven? Well, do you recognize each other now? <laughs> right? See, we make heaven so mysterious. And so Paul's in heaven. And he's got all of his senses just like the rich man did. He's seeing, he's hearing, he's touching, he's feeling. He's got emotion. And he's in that spiritual place. And he, he feels the same. He didn't feel himself come out of his body. But he still didn't know whether he was in it or out of it. When you and I slip out of our body, it'll take you a moment or two to realize that you're out of your body. Because it'll be the same. So how will I know? You're going to look down and see people crying over your body. And then you're just going to go to that spiritual place. So Paul, he goes on to say that again in verse 3, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body while he was in heaven. So Paul couldn't tell the difference in heaven whether it was just his spirit there or if it was his spirit there with his body. So I said all of this to say this. I am a spirit. I have a mind, will, and emotions. And I'm living in this body. So as you and I begin to identify with us being the person on the inside that has been touched by the hand of God and we compare it to the outside man who's still making those mistakes don't focus on the guy out here the more I focus on the man on the inside and accept it and believe it and begin talking that way then the body will catch up. Because you can form this image of who you are because of Christ. And when that image gets real to you, you begin to walk in that image. You see, religion wants to change the man on the outside to get good enough on the inside. Works works. Every see Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. Come on. Amen. And so the religions of the world do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. God's not going to like that. Oh, he's going to get you for that. How many times do we say that? I don't don't do that. Lightning will strike me. How many times did I say that? 
thinking that God is going to judge me because of this outer man. It's a lie. It's a lie. You and I can't good get, we can't get good enough on the outside to change anything on the inside. This relationship we have with God works from the inside out. And it can only work its way out until we embrace who we've become in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for opening our eyes today, for reminding us, Lord, that we're not simply this body. You said the outward man is going to perish, but the inner man will be renewed day by day. And that's who we are. We're eternal spirit beings. And because we've been touched by the hand of God and we've received eternal life, we now have been conformed and made brand new in your image. That's why we can walk and talk with you. Not because we're good enough, just simply because we're now a new creature. So Father, help us to begin accepting who we truly are. Help us to see ourselves through your eyes, through the eyes of the word of God. Give us the courage to embrace it and to leave that guy we used to be by the wayside because old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Help us to discover the new things that are now a reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm glad you guys came out this morning. It was good to have you. Like I said, we got healing school tonight at 6. We're back here Wednesday at 7. Don't forget, we also will be back here next week for Communion Sunday. Woohoo! All right, you guys are blessed, so go somewhere and be a blessing. Bye bye.